This podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Black Acres Roastery. Black Acres Roastery is an artisan coffee roaster located in the Highlandtown District of Baltimore. Every roast, they strive to bring out the best qualities in unique coffees from around the world. They ethically source beans and curate roasting profiles that provide each cup of coffee a story. My favorite is Midnight Train, a dark roast with notes of cocoa nibs, grand cracker, and stone fruit. Delicious. Also, check out their cold brew. Temperatures are changing, so cold brew is going to be in effect. So stay woke and check out their website, www.blackacrescoffee.com. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today's guests are the general manager of the Revival Hotel, Dante Johnson, and the director of Culture and Impact, Jason Bass. Welcome to the podcast. Yo, thanks for having us. Thank you so much, man. I'm I'm happy. I I, I follow I follow the social media. I see you 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 two are people to talk to. So I feel like people are paying attention to what's going on here, and it's like, oh yeah, let me Photoshop myself, and I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> That's cool, man. <laughs> I appreciate Thank you, man. That. Thank you for yeah, saying totally. that. Yeah, totally. Appreciate it. Yeah, so, sure. um, and, and uh, some of these questions are going to be for both of you and other instances I'll like mention directly because it's rare to have two people on at the same time. Um, so in an elevator pitch um, for those who are uninitiated, describe what your work is at the revival between the, between the two of you, um, if you both could speak on that. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I, I come from a background of, uh, of lifestyle hospitality. Sure. So I've worked in hotels for, uh, for 20 years now, uh, across various different cities, several different companies. And, and I've always, my personal brand has always been incredibly community focused. So everywhere that I've gone, I've done things in the community. I've, I've built programs, I've mentored young people and always really looked to, to find a connection between hospitality as an industry and, uh, and driving positive community impact. And I think what's unique about Revival is that our entire business model is built around that. So really at every opportunity, we're looking for ways that we can still run an amazing hotel, still provide a great experience for people who want to stay here or want to have food and drinks here, but you know, how we can do that in a way that's you know, sustainable from a community perspective. And I think that there's been a lot of waves in hospitality over the course of the last couple of decades. There was a window where every hotel started to become uh, eco-friendly. There was a wave where every hotel started leaning, in, leaning into design. There was a wave where hotels started wanting to do sophisticated uh, food and beverage offerings. And I think that in the last couple of years, there's been a lot that's happened in the world that's got people focused on how they can have a better impact on community. And so we were we were building the right model at the right time to be set up very well to to provide some support and some aid to people who had huge needs last year. And so that's just kind of been the, the way that we've always gone about the business. And it just lines up really well for my personal brand and to bring in somebody like Jason, who's able to kind of really take that and and put it on steroids <laughs> and really, you know, blast it out into the city in a really powerful way. It's great to hear. You know, it's hard to follow that up. I think he really uh, covered every single thing. And to, <laughs> only thing I, I have to add to that is like being somebody who's always been, um, you know, adjacent to hospitality or just on the edges of what people consider to be traditional hospitality. Yeah. I've always had like, um, you know, uh, an interest and in experience uh, dealing with people, servicing people. Uh, and then also uh, doing whatever's possible to improve my community and others around me. 
I mean, this was just uh, a very, very unique opportunity to bring a lot of the of those um, those efforts uh, to life on a larger stage um, with a great team, you know. So uh, that's not something you normally get, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think the results of that um, can be seen, you know, from a, from a culture and impact perspective. And then, you know, more on the, on the other parts of the cultural side, you know, we're able to create programming that really caters to every every audience that we can that we can touch on and in a, in, a, in an authentic way right not yep. you know we don't want to get into spaces that we don't um we don't necessarily belong in or aren't right for us you know we try to do the things that are appropriate that um that are real and actually have uh, a legitimate uh you know impact on the audience that we're doing it for yeah, yeah there's a lot of things that we, you know, there's a lot of spaces. It's so impactful. <laughs> <laughs> the power of impact. That's, that's great. Yeah, we'll get that going again. Yeah. I think, yeah, um, authenticity and congruency is very important, especially in, in Baltimore. And I think, like, we'll point it out. People around here will point it out when it's like, Nah, I don't know if that's real. I don't know if that's accurate. And yeah. when they, they see work that's going and that's going on, that's good. And it makes sense. And it's like on brand, but also it's like, this makes sense for here. Yeah. People, it resonates with people. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we've been experiencing. Yeah. You know, honestly, some people are able to describe it in that way, but not actually execute against those sure. things. Um, and I think we just figured out, we're really like how to do that, how to do it here for us, how to do it for the brand, for the community. Um, and, and, and like, uh, not really sacrifice a lot to achieve it. Right. So, yeah, yeah I think, I think it's a great point that you make that people, people will, people can sense when it's not real <laughs> and when it's not authentic. And I think that there's, there's spaces where, where there's certainly things that we could do that would be opportunistic and that might benefit the business, but don't feel natural. We won't do those things. And then there's times where we do things that have no tangible impact on the bottom line of the business, but they feel like the right thing to do. And they feel like things that we're uniquely positioned to lean into. And we do do those things. And so I think when you're, when you're trying to measure and figure out, you know, who's really, who's really you know, here for the right reasons, uh, I think those are two really easy ways to determine, you know, whether it's real or not. And I think people absolutely are keen on that at this point. So so there's no marketing plan for clout. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a million of them. I don't know if any of them work. So, so both of you chime in on this one, because I, I think we, we kind of touched on it a little bit in which you should both are describing um, specifically in Baltimore and the various communities here, um, most both macroly and microly. Um, if, even if that's a word, but uh, share the importance of your specific roles within the various communities in Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go first because I think I'll, I'll be pretty quick with this. Um, you know, I'm still getting to know Baltimore. I'm still discovering uh, everything that you know that 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 Baltimore has to offer. Uh, I'm a DC guy, and so okay. you know, I only worked here for a couple of years, and one of those years has been a pandemic year, which doesn't really count, right? So, uh, so I'm still learning new things about Baltimore every day. But I think what the role that I can play in all this as the city continues to evolve, as I see it, is is really continuing to push this movement forward. And I think that, that businesses can move in communities differently. We don't have to do things the way that they've always been done. And I think we've, we've really taken the opportunity to lead the charge in demonstrating that. And so you know, when, when, we, when we have great results here from a business perspective, but we do that in a way that 
that still leaves the world a little bit better than we found it, put yeah. smiles on people's faces in the community. I think that's something that people take notice of. And if, you know, if the industry moves, you know, one degree in the right direction because of something that we did, then I think that's the part that I play in this is, is modeling that behavior, doing the storytelling around it to continue to drive awareness. Because I do believe in, in the good nature of people in our industry. Ultimately, hospitality is just taking care of people. And so as, as we continue to set that example, I think people will follow. Yeah, and like I'm from Baltimore, but you don't, I don't think you have to be from Baltimore to, to recognize that a lot of our communities are very siloed and segregated in different ways. So, you know, I, I look at my responsibility as someone who can traverse all of this, those different spaces, you know, freely. It, I look at this as an opportunity for me to help expose Baltimore to itself and, and, and create handshaking opportunities and cultural exchanges, um, you know, that, uh, that wouldn't normally happen naturally. Um, and, you know, with that being said, like, um, and, you know, there's, it's, it's not always easy to figure out, you know, who, what, what different parts of the, the community should be really interacting with the other parts. But right. we know that it's, it, we, are, we would benefit from that, you know, in a, in a great way. We would, certain spaces would be more welcoming to other people right. that are normally, um, you know, being spoken to uh, from a business side of things. And, uh, and, and, and aren't being treated with the same level of consideration and respect. You know, everyone here gets treated, you know, with the highest level of, of quality and care that we would give the next person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I, I, I look at this from, for, from like, from a larger level, like the whole city being able to see itself and enjoy itself in a way that it might not have known, uh, before yeah. and for individuals to get, um, to get that warm and fuzzy feeling from somebody who actually, and from people who actually, you know, care about them. Yeah, we, um, we, we get asked a lot of times about sort of the creative process at the hotel and, and where the ideas come from. And the thing that I continue to say is that the most important thing that we've created is space, uh, space for conversations and, and intersections that, that otherwise might not have existed. And I think even physically, the hotel is situated, you know, at the intersection of a lot of different communities. And so, yeah. Being in Mount Vernon, you're geographically accessible to the entire city, but these types of spaces haven't historically been accessible to the entire city. And so we're trying to change that conversation. And again, just model that, that you, can, you can do those things differently. You don't have to, uh, to be exclusive in that way. You can create a really inclusive environment and still do that at a high level. And, and in addition to that, once we have these partners, once we have these people around, we seek to amplify it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, this is, this is, uh, it's a, a fantastic platform to be a part of if you're an artist or you're a creative. Yeah. And, um, you know, we have a very strong PR team behind us. We've had a lot of success being able to, to work with like local business owners, artists and, and such, and, you know, and, and really broadcast their, their work and their efforts, um, you know, outside of just our ecosystem. Right. So it could go as far as, you know, we, I mean, we've worked with a local toilet paper company and they've been on CBS morning show, right. Yeah. You know, Right. So, and, it's, and I think it's, it's things like that. And, and a lot of times it happens in a really organic way and, and the, you know, the ecosystem continues to build. And so, you know, what's great about that is not only do we support these small businesses and promote them, but they, we start to see them support and promote each other, which, I mean, that really is an ecosystem in the truest sense. And that's really, you know, one of the things that we're most proud of. 
It's really important, I think, um, obviously everything, but one thing that really stuck out is one of the things I've noticed in living here, being from Baltimore, always being in Baltimore, uh, is that one of those things, uh, people just look at, oh, I only go over east, I only go over west, and that's about it. And when you can be in one of those spots where you're able to interact with people that are right there or learn about different things that are right there, it's like, oh, snap, they, they, that, that artist is from here? Or, oh, I didn't know that was over there. And being able to have those exchanges is really important. And that's one of those kind of aims of this podcast where doing this and it's, I described it before as like, a travel show for Baltimoreans about Baltimore. <laughs> and it's like, you can easily miss these things. And it's been an opportunity for, for me um, to, to actually learn a little bit more about this city and the people that reside in it and show that we got a lot of talent, and a lot of cool things that are happening here. What's going on at Revival being one. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was a lot. I appreciate it. And, and it's, it's crazy to think that you can grow up 40 minutes down the road and have no idea about all the amazing things that happened in this city. And so I think another another role that I can play as a storyteller is going back into, you know, DC and, and, and you know, communities there. You know, Miami is kind of my second home. You know, everywhere I go, I kind of take a little piece of Baltimore with me now. And and being a person who two years ago had no idea about these things, yeah. as I discover them and push them out, I think it's um, I think it's important that people hear about Baltimore, not only from the perspective of people from here, but also from the perspective of people who are discovering the city right now as it currently is. Yes. One of the things I like to ask people, especially like early on in this, this series, asking people who are transplants who've moved in, it's like, what is your vantage point? What, what is your view of Baltimore? Then maybe asking someone who's been here and kind of seeing how it differs. And one of the, the, the common things I've, I've heard is community, 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 very supportive within the specific communities, whether it be if you're making soap like Mount Roll Soaps, if you're out there, as I've um, said before, I think I've reached out to Laura Touch and I was like, let's get that ass game right, you know, like toilet paper, what have you. <laughs> and it's just these, these different things. But everyone just talks about how like supportive it is compared to maybe where they've come from. It's like people will come from New York and it's like you have to have that degree of nepotism and that's always going to be there, but it's accessible here. It's the thing now here, like people are always looking out in that community. Um, so, so Jason, uh, how was your experience being the hotel's first ever director of culture and impact? Terrible, man. They treat me like trash. <laughs> this is crazy. No, honestly, it's, That's great. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, man, it's a complete honor. I'm extremely grateful um, to have the opportunity. Um, so for me, it's, it's like, um, it's like, you know, as someone who has been an event planner, someone who's very focused on community, focused on the city, focused on, um, inclusion, diversity, that kind of stuff, always looking to have, um, you know, this, an experience that includes everyone. See, I, I'll back up a little bit when I say this, like I was born in Baltimore, but I, I moved to California when I was eight or something like that and stayed there until I was 12 and living in Southern California, it was very common to just have like, you know, a Mexican best friend, or you know, you know, whatever, like everybody was from all over the place. You know what I mean? So yeah. coming back to Baltimore is a little bit of a culture shock in a way because it's very black and white. So, you know, it, that's something that I just had to grow to accept coming back here, but I never forgot my experience and the value of having, you know, such a diverse, you know, friend network um, or community in, in California. So 
you know, I, I never thought I would find that those same type of things here. And then I was able to, 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 to explore a little bit more and be introduced to the different neighborhoods that, um, that those, those demographics exist in. But again, they don't talk to each other. Right. So, yeah. so this was like, this was like a dream, right. To be able to, to have a hotel, right. That's usually this, a full service hotel is focused on heads and beds, uh, in a way, uh, just like any other hotel, but also has food and beverage say, you know what, we want to do a little bit more. We want to open this up and embrace the community around us in a real way, not just a performative way, you know, uh, where they do one thing. And it's like, you know, we check this box, uh, locals and, 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 um, and brand and kind of move on, you know, we started exploring ways to quickly pivot during the pandemic, um, and say, all right, well, what are we going to do if it's not people staying, you know, got, getting people to stay here or party here or drink or eat here? And it's like, well, we can we can look out for the service industry people that need us most right now. Yeah. Um, because those are the people who are working here. Those are the people that um, that we have the closest touch touch points with. And immediately everyone just uh, rallied, called called on their, um, the, the people that they could that they could depend on to. To, to donate food, to donate resources, supplies. And they showed up on their days off during a time that was really um, difficult, you know, and, uh, and it was very unsure as to like what, what we should and shouldn't be doing. But then, you know, give out toilet paper that we had in abundance because, you know, we were prepared for like a busy season, you know what I mean? Right. But now we have all the toilet paper, nobody's using it, let's bag it up. And this is this was gold at the time, we're giving it away for free along with fresh fruits and vegetables because we had a relationship with Hungry Harvest and you know other other food suppliers in, in, the, in, the, in the area. So to be able to see that, you know, that's when I knew it was 100% real. Yep. You know, that's when I knew it was genuine, right? Like outside of someone, you know, Dante explaining his vision for how he wanted this hotel to be, that those those types of things weren't necessarily the focus at the time, you know, and, and it was a little bit of a, a tertiary thing, but it was a part of the conversation. Then it quickly became the main and only conversation. Sure. Right. And and it wasn't like it wasn't like it wasn't happening in a way where it felt like something was uh, being lost or it was um, a thing that people didn't want to do, but felt like they had to do it. Everybody just everybody just did it, you know, and it felt great at the end of the day. And, you know, and, 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 um, went above and beyond, you know, any kind of job role that they had here, you know, all hands were on deck doing whatever we could for, for months, um, for, for the people that were in our community and people who, you know, frankly, maybe didn't have, um, weren't our customer base at all. Yeah. You know, like we stopped by senior centers that had, you know, 400 plus people in it. And they, of course, couldn't use an app to have food delivered or couldn't go to the grocery store, you know. Yeah. And we were dropping off, you know, two pickup trucks <laughs> full of, like, everything that they needed. And they were extremely grateful, and we were happy to, to, to do it for them. So, you know, when I think about what it's like to be, you know, the first director of Culture and Impact, the name and title on the show makes me happy, of course. But the part that really touches my heart is those, are those things, the real things, the substantive yeah. things. And then being able to say, last part I'm going to say, being able to, to work with people like Nandi Gee and her sister from Lord Tush. Yeah. And like, you know, like, hey, here's a, we found a quality product, something that fits right within like the things that we need, right. you know, from, you know, every single day in this hotel. Like, you know, we, let's get rid of this Scots or Angels, whatever. What's the, whoever those guys are, we don't know, right? We're going to go yeah. for the ones that, are, that, um, that are, that have risked everything to start a small business in a space that they're not necessarily like, 
you know, experts in or have, you know, uh, a ton of money to, to, to lose, mm-hmm. um, you know, just messing around. So, you know, we, we, we vetted them and we were able to, to, to bring them in, in into uh, the fold and support them just like we're starting to do with other places, other small um, product, small business owners and product makers like, like, uh, like Black Acres uh, Coffee. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 I mean, it's amazing. It's a black owned coffee roaster. And now we have them, uh, leading the, um, in-room coffee experience with two different types of unique, you know, uh, uh pack- packages yeah. and experiences, right. With a steepable version of their coffee and then a pour over version of their coffee. This is crazy. This is incredible. Right. This is in Baltimore, right? right. This isn't, this isn't New York or, or LA or wherever you would think that some of these places, some of these, these small businesses would be um, starting up and, and, and growing. This is, this is Baltimore. The stories that they tell about the city aren't that. Right. And so now we're able to tell those stories. We're able to like support those stories, share those stories um, and, and, and do that. Not only with the hundred plus guests that stay in the hotel every day from a, from a, a hotel room perspective, but anyone who is listening, to the, to the right. bullhorn that we yeah. had. <laughs> right. Black Black Acres, stay woke, stay woke, stay woke. That is a shameless plug on my part. You guys have an opportunity to shamelessly plug later. Uh, <laughs> um, but Sorry, uh, that's a long uh, answer. But, you oh, know, no, no, no. Was, <laughs> we appreciate that. I appreciate the thoroughness. Uh, so, so Dante, let, let's let's touch on this real quick. Um, what, what do you hope visitors and and listeners um take away from the the community focused um efforts um at the hotel yeah i think i think jason touched on a lot of it to be honest i think when i think about what it means to be to be a storyteller on behalf of a community i think it's more than just you know the things that we say to people in the lobby i think it's the things that we say to people in their experience and so it's one thing for me to say oh baltimore is an amazing city i spend time there uh, you know, and you know, Baltimore is a city that pays my mortgage, right? So it's it's obviously important to me. I have a vested interest in, yeah. in falling in love with the place. But when you invest in the city, when you invest in the small businesses in the city, when when you say, you know, I don't know the CEO Scott Tissue. I'm sure they're a nice person, but they're not here with us passing out you know food to the community. True. So yeah. they have less value to us. They're not representative and emblematic of what it means to be resilient and what it means to be a part of a small business community like Baltimore. So that's not who we're going to do business with. I think that in and of itself uh, demonstrates a level of, you know, of connection to the community. And, and I think what I hope that people take away from it is that everybody can be their version of a revival. And, you know, I used to say this differently and, you know, Jason, I credit him, but like, <laughs> eventually he got me to stop, but I used to say anybody can do this. You know, when, when we were doing interviews last year and, and, and you know, people were, uh, were just blown away with the fact that we were doing so many different things to, to support the local community, uh, what I kept saying is, is every hotel buys food from somebody. So all of those hotels can call the people that they buy food from and say, listen, you've got stuff that's in your pipeline right now that's going to go bad because restaurants are closed. Right. Let us take that food and give it to the community. To me, that was the easiest example of something that literally anybody could have done who's in our position. And eventually Jason got me to kind of stop saying that because anybody didn't do it. You know? and, and my hope was that hearing me constantly say that you can do this too would inspire some people to start to reimagine the way that they participate in a community. So what I hope people take away from it is that you, know, you might not be able to do some of the things that we've done. Everybody doesn't have a Jason. Everybody doesn't have 
uh, the support of, of a Hyatt framework. <laughs> Everybody doesn't have, you know, a incredibly well-designed hotel with fantastic food and beverage in a community like Mount Vernon, but everybody has their version of that. And so if you work in an office building, why does your office building in Baltimore have Scott Tissue when Lord Tush exists? Yeah. Right. You know, if you, if you have a cafe, why does your cafe feature, you know, coffee brand X when black acres exist? Right. And so whatever your version of that is, you know, businesses pump hundreds of millions of dollars into other communities every year if we, with a little bit of thought, a little bit of attention and a little bit of creativity, um, you know, you can change the complexion of the entire city. So you know, my hope is that that's what people take away from it. It's I mean, that little nudge because we're not going to stop talking about it. And it's not, it's not a plug for the business. It's a plug for, for the community. And that's, that's what I'm thinking from it. Examples, you know, like we, you know, we can't forget about Lafayette Rosé, you know, um, to black on Rosé. The, the, the founder and CEO is from Baltimore, Maryland, you know, is the only one made out of Sandro pay. Um, we have them here and we do what we do. If, um, we do a, uh, a thing where if you buy a bottle, $5 go, $5 goes towards learning to live, um, with, which is a nonprofit, uh, essentially established to take Baltimore city high school students, uh, out of their communities and to, and to, you know, allow them to travel around the world. Yeah, I, I, the so the, the thing I love about the Lafed piece is that is that we we would have we would have rocked with Lafed anyway because you know Donna is a great guy you know we spent time with them and, and it's a quality product like, an incredible rosé but the fact that that Donna already on his end is donating a portion of his sales to Learning to Live you know that's what we're about like that's that's what we do so now Learning to Live on a bottle of rosé that's sold here. Um, gets gets you know gets hit twice, yep. which is great. And so we're trying to drink these kids all around the world. Yep. So at every opportunity, if, if there's a there's a bottle of wine that's that's being pushed, you know we're going to do that. And this hotel does not make money selling Lafet. Right. We're sell, we're essentially selling Lafet on behalf of learning to live. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, again it's not a this isn't a commercial enterprise for us. You know this is something bigger than that. It's something more important than that. This is the T-shirt I'm wearing. Is art is artwork that was designed by Will Watson, a local artist that did that shoot. Yeah, you know. Shout out to Will, man. Shout out to yeah. Will. Yeah. And then you know, from a conversation that Dante had with Will uh, about this about this piece, um, it resulted in the shirts being created the next day within 24 hours. Uh, Will had already started producing apparel based on this and selling it online, which creates a whole new stream of revenue for him and gets a different audience exposed to his, his, his wonderful work. You know, I did. I, I just so happened to have this on today. It wasn't <laughs> I mean, Will, Will's, Will's been on the podcast too. So definitely I'm hearing all of these, these really cool um, and inspiring things. And like, yeah, I mean, like I asked a question of what do you hope the audience is taking away? Like is, and from this standpoint of being an audience and listening to everything, you you brothers are killing it. I I'm, I'm in awe. <laughs> um, so I got I got a few more questions, um, and then opportunity to shamelessly plug. I mean, I like to leave that in there for people. Um, so so Jason, judging by your social media posts, I get that foodie vibe off of you. Yeah. Uh, what's the most interesting trait about the food culture in Baltimore? Uh, let me tell you something about Baltimore's food scene. You know, I think I think it's rival DC. I think it's rival Philly. Throwing that out there, I'm challenging. Whoever's listening to this podcast, get your pots and pans ready. 
honestly, I think that Baltimore just like I think uh, I think it's developing in a way that is exciting and and is is kept the authenticity of the people here, yep. you know, and it's also uh, allowed for like all the different like uh, ethnicities and and styles of food to be expressed and enjoyed um, throughout the entire city, right? So like. Uh, one of my favorite areas though, to eat to eat out of is 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 just the the Troll Street Mount Vernon corridor because you know you can get Ethiopian, <laughs> you can get all you get a couple different types of Indian like Nepalese, uh, you can get you know Chinese food, you can get uh, you know there's all these different versions. You can get you know uh, sushi, whatever, right? Just on yep. this just going up the block, like there's everything. There's you know there's Korean barbecue. There's, you know, there's a chicken box. You can get the chicken box. You know what I mean? Like, it's literally just going up. You're touching like 15, 20 countries and you're going to get a local experience, right? Right. And it's all good. You know how hard it is to go into another city and get good Chinese food? It's it's one of the hardest things possible. (laughs) Thai food? You know, it's it's difficult. It's difficult, right? You know, as much as I've traveled, sometimes I just need need the basics. And I think that, you know, we've we've done it really well. I think the city's done it incredibly well. I enjoy the food here. I enjoy the the people behind the food here. You know, the chefs, the servers, the bartenders. I mean, these are, I, I make some of my, some of my greatest friends, you know, over, over meals and drinks. So, yeah, what um, what would you say about the cocktail scene? Follow up yeah. question. Uh, <laughs> yes, spin it, spin it, do it. Let's hit it. Yo, I mean, we got a couple. We got a couple like very impressive, yeah. like you know, mixologists, bartenders, uh, in the city that are, that are really leading the charge. Not only on what spirits they've chosen to like uh, mm-hmm. practice with, you know, being rums or mezcal or something like that. Something that's not traditionally like you know, consume like, you know, vodkas or whatever. Um, and then, and they're finding different ways to like, um, to, to, to present these things in like amazing vessels, you know, like we were talking yesterday, it's, you know, there's a a wonderful place up the the street from here that, that has, they're they're testing out a cocktail that's made with mezcal and rum. And it's, uh, they do it in an (laughs) ice, an ice bubble. Yeah. Right, that melts in like twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, so like so literally, the drink's time. You gotta get it. You gotta get it. <laughs> it's, it's rum and mezcal, and you gotta do it in fifteen, twenty minutes. So you're gonna lose all of this. Right? It's an experience there. <laughs> challenge, shallow challenge accepted. Challenge, and I think we also do classics really well. Yeah. Um, and I give a little shout out to Anna here. Uh, and Welker, I mean, she's not only when it comes from a cocktail perspective, but she's doing. She initiated. She started something called um, oh, Zero Proof Zero, Zero, Proof, Zero yeah. Judgment, which is an entire, you know, bar program that has no, that has no, like, um, no, alcohol. no alcohol. These are mocktails. Yeah. And um, they're fantastic. Not everybody drinks, you know. Not everybody consumes alcohol. And this allows people to participate and feel like they're a part of this, ex- this social experience, you know, while they're out eating and enjoying enjoying some, uh, some beverages. Yeah, like you were just talking about your wellness journey, and I think that, you know, as people continue to try and find ways to, to be healthier. And as we come out of this pandemic where, you know, I mean, various different challenges that people are trying to tackle. If you want to participate in the socializing, if you want to be in a restaurant, be in those spaces, but you're still trying to manage you know, your, your consumption of alcohol from a, from a deeply emotional place. Like I appreciate being able to, to order something that's not an iced tea or a diet Coke. Yeah. And, you know, and to have somebody dedicate, 
um, you know, valuable mixologist time and energy and R and D to uh, to creating a program that's gonna that's gonna give you something just as interesting as what everybody else at the table has. Like you shouldn't feel like a stepchild in a, at a cocktail bar just because yeah. you don't you know you don't want to you got to be productive the next morning. Yeah, right? yeah, I, I, I want some flair with my mocktail, yeah, so I if I can get that. My situation too, right? Yeah. There it is. Uh, one thing I will say about the Baltimore food scene. Have, yeah. Hit record. Hit record immediately. One thing that I appreciate Isolate is that, that. <laughs> unlike DC and Miami, you know, the cities where I spent the most time, those are incredibly transient cities. So there's people coming and going all the time who aren't from there. And whenever I would meet people in DC and tell them I'm from DC, they're like, oh, I don't meet very many people who are from DC in these spaces. When I go to restaurants here, the full range, so that all the options that eat throughout, yeah. and these are people that are from the Baltimore community. And so it, it just feels a little different. And I think, you know, when we go back and forth and we go back and forth quite a bit about DC versus Baltimore, as you would imagine, yes. um, you know, the one thing that Jason always brings up, which I, I mean, I'll give that nod to the Baltimore <laughs> food scene is that it's a very soulful experience and you get to taste and experience the Baltimore version of all of these things versus uh, versus, you know, an experience that's a blended mixture of people from all over the world, which, you know, I kind of dig that. I think, I think when, when I go to cities, I try and genuinely experience those places through the eyes of people that live there. Like, I want to go to the spot where the people who are from there go. I don't want to go to the spot where the people who are from there send other people. To yeah. 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 It, it goes with that, that notion of authenticity. Like uh, I used to say, like, look, I'm, I'm trying to go to the hood. Where are the people? Where are the real people at? Like, I want to get loose on some tacos when I go out there to Cali, you know, whatever that situation is, let's, let's do the real thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you, you've drawn the, um, the short straw, Dante. Here's the last question I have before I get into the social, the, uh, the, the social media and uh, the plugs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, describe the importance of uh, programs like the McKinsey Black Executive Leadership Program. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a short straw at all. Um, you know, I love talking about this program. It, it's amazing. And, and so just to kind of give a, a high level overview of it, it's, uh, it's a program that McKinsey created specifically with the intention to prepare, you know, Black executive level leaders to enter the C-suite of you know, whatever company, whatever field, whatever industry that you're in, and to, and to be able to break through some of the, uh, some of the things, some of the barriers that, that have prevented you know, more black representation in executive level positions across industries. And so as a person who's in hospitality, a field where, you know, where black folks are, you know, are widely underrepresented in leadership positions, I mean, 90% underrepresented statistically, uh, you know, I think it's critical that that we take advantage of all of those types of opportunities. And so I've got I've got a very busy window of time right now where there's a lot of other commitments that I made previously that overlap with this program. But I wasn't going to miss the opportunity yeah. to really do anything that McKinsey has, you know, is involved with, but also to be able to to network and to be able to interact with you know people across industries who I'm finding have very similar challenges in their respective industries to the things that I have. And so, you know, Jason and I talk a lot about how we can get all the stakeholders aligned behind things that are incredibly relevant from a cultural perspective to the black community, but just aren't things that are more widely known. So when we were talking about, you know, Baltimore getting CIAA as an example, mm -hmm. you know, I'm 
incredibly excited about the CIAA partnership. And to me, that was the best news I'd heard in a long time. But I fully recognized that that wasn't initially a thing that most business leaders in the city were super familiar with. And so, you know, people like us become spokespeople for, for the value of that event, for, you know, just the, the magnitude of having and the cultural significance of an event like that. And I think every industry, every person who, who's in that program has their version of that storytelling where you bear the responsibility to both perform in whatever your job is, but also to, to continue to preserve and play the role that you need to play on behalf of the culture. And so I think having, having a network of people who are going through those same things at the same time, um, it's, just, it's an amazing feeling that's really difficult to put into words. But, um, you know, it's often described as, as a Wakanda-like experience <laughs> to be on a Zoom call yeah. and, and to see, you know, 160 people who look like you who are in executive level positions across industries all over the world. So there's people who are on these calls who are, it's the middle of the night where you are, but you're carving out the time and you're committed and dedicated to that program. Um, so it's, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. And I would encourage anybody who has access to the future cohorts to, to get into it for sure. That's, that's great. And it's vastly important. And thank you for sharing that. So in the uh, last few minutes here, Here's, here's that time. Like, where can they find you? Social media, the website, all of the good stuff. Um, and thank you both for uh, being such great guests. I, I, I'm, I'm feeling great. I feel this is a good way to end the week. <laughs> yeah, so plug away, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to fall back, you know. I'm in awe. So do your thing. Yeah, no, go for it. I mean, you can find us online, of course. Um, just Revival Baltimore. And same thing on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um you know, on Instagram personally, I'm Jason Seabass. You know, I'm branded everywhere. Venmo, Cash Apps, and the money now. Um, you know, on Twitter and Facebook. So, so yeah, I yeah. know. And then my, my Instagram is Dojo, D-O dot J-O-H. Um, just short for my name. Pretty quick, pretty easy. Uh, and we're, we're both highly active on, on all social media platforms. Uh, in terms of the hotel, you know, Jason just gave you all the, uh, all, the pla- all the platforms, all the handles there. Uh, we just opened a cafe downstairs, Stashery Cafe on Instagram. Uh, definitely a thing to check out. Uh, and, and, you know, really, again, we're excited to bring that to the community. Topside just reopened uh, last month as restrictions continue to lessen. We'll continue to do, um, you know, bigger and more exciting events in that space. And so I think, you know, again, it's just it's a really exciting time in the city. Uh, I think the governor just made an exciting announcement related to COVID restrictions. So it's just good to see things come back to life. And I, I appreciate you, you know, giving us the opportunity to come on. Thank you. Do a little bit of story time. Yeah, this you know, is. And, and Rob, before you say something, I'm going to say one more thing. One more thing. I'm sorry yeah, to cut sure. you off. Well, we got a we got a chef we just hired for Top Shot, right? I mean, we're all excited about this. We've had multiple tastings. He's, I think, surpassed any expectation anybody might have had for what he's going to bring uh, to that space upstairs. It's already beautiful. It's already been beautiful. It has a great view, best in the city, um, and he's just, I think, he's really going to bring something incredibly special and unique uh, once he introduces this new menu. So please, you know, hey, wh- get ready. Where do you come from? He came from Dirty Habit out of D.C., you know. (laughs) Had to get that in there, right? That's how we do that. (laughs) Look, nobody's left in D.C. now. That was it. It was only one guy. (laughs) (laughs) Rating. (laughs) So uh, I like D.C. food. (laughs) I was just down there last week, and uh, it was was fine. (laughs) 
Um, so again, thank you both. And I'll do my sign off um, for Dante, for Jason. I'm Rob Lee, and there are dope places in and around Baltimore. Just got to look for them.